Hey, this is Mark Altman. Have you been looking for the ultimate Star Trek podcast? Well, check out Inglorious Trexperts as we take you, well, as we boldly go, where no one has gone before exploring the incredible history of Star Trek and beyond. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Welcome to War Movie Week on the 430 movie. This, this is Mark A. Altman. And in honor of Veterans Day this week, we are celebrating great war movies. I'm here, as always, with uh, writer, TV writer-producer Stephen Melching. Hello. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Concept designer Darren Docterman. Hey. And film and TV writer Ashley E. Miller. Hello. And of course, <laughs> I'm Mark A. Altman, and we're thrilled to have you here for another exciting week on the 430 movie. This week, the theme is war movies. Now, Steve uh, Melching had suggested perhaps separating this up into the Atlantic <laughs> Theater and the Pacific Theater uh, and, and, and dividing by World War well, that, I. I mean, war is such a fertile ground topic for film. I mean, yes. it, it just... What is it good for? So, uh. so dr- there's nothing more Absolutely dramatic. The nothing. stakes can't possibly be higher. And I used to see a lot of movies at Pacific Theaters. So Yeah. <laughs> in, fact, I, in fact, Pacific Theaters, I think, actually owns the arc light. Yeah. So I see movies in the Pacific Theater all the time. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but I, I think that uh, obviously there is going to be an abundance of riches. Uh, and I think it's important to say on this um, Veterans Day that to all you veterans out there, people in the armed services, thank you for uh, defending the values on which this country stands and protecting us and, and uh, you know, being uh, – you know, being in the armed services, and and uh, we we thank you. And it, you know, as as much as we'll be joking around during this, uh, you know, Veterans Day is a solemn holiday honoring uh, people who have uh, given thought more of just themselves. Unimaginable sacrifices that have been made over the last two hundred years plus of our country's history. What about the veterans of the Revolutionary War? I said two hundred plus. Okay, yeah, there, there is a plus in that. <laughs> okay. There's a plus, it's like, a, like a plus one. There's always a plus. I can't do that much math. As we uh, all know, there are no good Revolutionary War movies. However, so uh, it's I probably feel like nope. You're right. I was about to say um, Last the Mohicans, but that's a French and Indian War movie. Who knew? There's a great French and Indian War movie, but right. no great Revolutionary well, there's that, War. Uh, movie. Gosh, what is it? That musical? Uh, Hamilton. 1776. but not a great movie. Not a great movie. Though. <laughs> well, some people 70, 76. love. Some people 1976 is the movie about. Like, but it's not a great movie. The Patriot is that about? The, oh about? well, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, the Patriot's yeah, good. Yeah. Patriot's probably the best of the Revolutionary War movies. I've often thought that uh, you know I, I kind of wanted to do a Revolutionary War movie, write one myself. So maybe I will. It's fertile ground for exploration. Yeah. It worked for Lin Manuel Miranda, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, we're not here to talk about Hamilton today. Although, because I talk about it enough at home with everyone else, I'm always talking about <laughs> Hamilton. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry, Mark. I'm sorry. I can't get in the car without freaking Hamilton. I love <laughs> Hamilton, but I'm so over it now. Okay. Uh, war movies. Let's, uh, you know, as, for those of you who don't know, these are fantasy theme weeks where we curate a week of theme weeks in homage to the great 430 movie. A week of theme weeks. A week, a, a week of, <laughs> of classic movies uh, in homage to um, classic, uh, the classic movies of our youth, the 430 movie. 
and uh, which had shows like the Planet of the Apes week and Sci-Fi week and all that. And so this week it's War Week on the third, fourth, third movie. And apparently my tongue is at war with the rest of me. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's Steve- Vincent Price week on the fourth, third, <laughs> war movie. Yes. <laughs> Steve Man. Melching, Monday, start us off. Well, I'm going to go. Traditional, uh, old school. Tradition. Um, Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like uh, probably everyone at this table uh, grew up in a time when World War II films were very popular. Um, there have been dozens of fantastic films made about every aspect of well, World War II. It was a very II. popular war. <laughs> it was. Even though it was a sequel, no. Um, <laughs> it was one of those sequels that was better than the original. <laughs> but it produced a tremendous amount of great films. And as I was growing up, so many of those films were making their way onto television. So they were on every weekend. There were different World War II films on. And uh, my father was a an Air Force officer and a, a, a war buff. And uh, so he... We would watch World War II films and, and documentaries like Victory at Sea together. And uh, both of my grandparents served in World War II, uh, one in the Army in the Pacific Theater and one in the Navy in the uh, European Theater. And so my film is a, a classic uh, of the European Theater uh, and includes events that my grandfather participated in, and that is 1962's The Longest Day. Mm. Which uh, it may also be the longest film that we discuss here. <laughs> we need to break it down over a couple days. But um, this is a film that was directed primarily by Ken Anakin. Uh, some people believe the inspiration for the name of Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> it, 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 Always bringing it back to Star Wars. We're talking. We're not talking about Star Wars. We're talking about war movies. Star Wars are wars. Uh, Ken Anakin also directed a film called The Battle of the Bulge, which famously featured the line, I've got a bad feeling about this, Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly. So Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, The Longest Day. And of course, the entire Attack on the Death Star in in the rough cut stage was comprised of Dam Busters. Yeah, Yeah, Star Wars very steeped, not just in uh, uh, samurai films and uh, westerns, but World War II films. And as I was... Uh, writing on the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, I would revisit a lot of these World War II films to kind of uh, get into the you know, George Lucas's original inspiration. So anyway, The Longest Day uh, is a film uh, that centers around the uh, the uh, June 6 D-Day invasion at Normandy uh, in France and uh, uh, features an all-star cast. I mean, just, just listen to this cast. It stars John Wayne, Henry Fonda, Robert Mitchum, Sean Connery, Eddie Albert, Richard Burton, Peter Lawford, Rod Steiger, Gert Froby, Edmund O'Brien, Paul Anka, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, Richard Dawson, George Siegel, Sal Minio, Red Buttons, Mel Ferrer, and Roddy McDowell. <laughs> Many Wait, of now. which have been on our podcast previously. <laughs> are, are we sure it was Henry Ford? Henry Ford. Henry Ford. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, my God. That's a, a deep callback to like week Henry three. F- Henry Fonda. Ford. You still can't get Glenn Ford. <laughs> That's a callback to superhero week. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Fonda played uh, Theodore Roosevelt Jr., who who uh, died uh, uh, during the war and is buried at Normandy Beach. So um, this is a great – this is a, the tradition of great 60s war films where you're it, it encompasses the entire event, in this case the D-Day invasion, and – uh, similarly to Tora Tora Tora, it tells the story from both sides of the conflict. They're cross-cutting between the Germans and their 
preparations or lack thereof for the invasion and the Allies preparing uh, and executing the evasion. Um, just as Pearl Harbor, you, you cut between the Japanese and the, uh, and the uh, U.S. at Pearl Harbor. Um, and some of the film was shot in the actual locations where uh, these events occurred, including Pointe du Hoc and uh, uh, Saint-Mariglise. Um, uh, this last, uh, earlier this year, my wife and I had the opportunity to visit France. And if I might digress for a moment, I cannot recommend touring the Normandy Beach area highly enough. Um, we, I would recommend arriving in Paris, spend a day or two in Paris, then rent a car, rent it from the Orly Airport, not the Charles de Gaulle Airport. The Orly Airport is like the Welcome Burbank the Airport, <laughs> as uh, Charles de Gaulle is to LAX. Uh, get your car, drive out to the coast. We stayed in the town of Bayou, which is very close to the invasion beaches. and a lot Don't of, take a troop transport. Do not take Whatever a troop transport. You do. They're very cold and drafty. Um, don't do a day trip from Paris because you'll spend half the day in a freaking bus. Um, these day trips are phenomenal. We did one. It lasted like nine hours, uh, and we visited Utah Beach, Omaha Beach, Saint-Marie-Glise, Pointe du Hoc, a German cemetery, the huge American cemetery there, um, and a couple other locations, including uh, the site of that uh, famous battle uh, of, uh, that Dick Winters uh, participated in that was dramatized in Band of Brothers, the TV series. And um, I can tell you, uh, I, I visited this, the day after our tour. I took the car alone and drove back to Normandy Beach, to Omaha Beach, I mean, and uh, walked out onto the sand. And the films never do this justice. I mean, even a, a great film like Saving Private Ryan or Longest Day that dramatizes the, the Normandy invasions – these beaches are huge, and when the tide is out, you're talking about four or five hundred yards of flat sand leading up to those bluffs. And I walked out there. This caught me totally by surprise. Walking out on the sand, I was suddenly hit with this tremendous wave of emotion. I don't know where it came from, but suddenly I found I was weeping uh, standing there in this place. There's so much power there. But anyway, so back to the film. It's it's a terrific film. It's three hours long. It encompasses not only the preparation, but you're following different uh, groups of soldiers. You're following the airborne troops as they parachute uh, and land in the wrong place at Saint-Mariglise, uh, where that famously a soldier got hung up on the church there and was hanging there helplessly during the attack. Um, you're watching soldiers come ashore uh, at uh, Omaha Beach. You're watching the British soldiers come ashore at their landing beach. And, and most remarkably, you're watching the Army Rangers assault, assaulting the Pointe du Hoc, uh, which is this promontory cliff that had uh, supposed to have German big guns there that could uh, hit both of the Utah and Omaha beaches. Uh, and... The rangers had to land on this narrow strip of rocky beach and use these uh, grappling guns to fire rope ladders and ropes to the top of these 100-foot cliffs and then scale these cliffs while they're under fire from German soldiers, uh, a force triple their size. And somehow these guys managed to get up those cliffs and take out this German garrison there and then hold it 
for several days because their reinforcements had been rerouted to Utah Beach. Right. So it's really uh, it's a phenomenal battle, and uh, all these battles are very well realized in the film. There's a cast of thousands, um, and it's uh, just a, a very uh, you know it's an entertaining but historically a reasonably historically accurate uh, portrayal of the Normandy uh, attack. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a, a, a excellent uh, uh, film in terms of filmmaking. It's extremely well done. Of course, you know the cast of everyone you've ever heard of before in the in the early sixties, um, and it's uh, it, it's just, it's also very moving. And it it doesn't feel like three hours when you're watching it, which is also a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's just there is so much that's going on. Um, and even kind of given, I was going to say the limitations of filmmaking at the time, it's just, it feels, the, the cuts don't feel like you're sitting in one place just sort of watching dudes mm-hmm. run around. Um, and I would say it's probably the most successful depiction of something like that, this side of Saving Private Ryan, just in terms of capturing that scale and capturing the intensity of the conflict. Um, and by that, I mean like the first half an hour of Saving Private Ryan, which I think is brilliant. And then the rest of the movie happens. But um, but no, I think Longest Day is great. It really sets off this um, series of giant military spectacles with these all-star casts. You know, people think of the all-star cast as sort of a relic of the disaster film era of the 70s, but it really starts in the 60s with movies like this. And because, you know, you get into the 70s with stuff like Midway, and then, of course, later in the 60s, Tora, 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 mm-hmm. with these giant all, all, all-star all casts. The and Great Escape. Very, or, well, you know. that's a different kind of... Right. Uh, uh, you know, th- these are, and we'll get to the Great Escape. I have a feeling. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, my my grandfather actually drove landing craft at uh, at the, the on the landing beaches. So he he was there, and and he was one of those veterans who never talked about his war experiences until after Saving Private Ryan came out. I I think you've explained the reason why you had a wave of emotion. Yeah, that that's why. Yeah. He showed me once a piece of shrapnel that bounced off his helmet wow. <laughs> as, wow. you know, from presumably from German anti-aircraft fire. It was this mm-hmm. shrapnel was just raining out of the sky right. all day during these this incredible. Ba- I mean, it's hard to imagine just the there were thousands of ships yeah. with tens of thousands of soldiers. I, it's hard to imagine the scale of, of this event. Um, longest day goes a long way towards sort of dramatizing that. But. It's it's hard to imagine. Okay, longest day. We're starting out with the Normandy invasion on uh, Monday, on and we're out of time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, three hours. It's uh, it's Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so no, um, so Tuesday, Darren. What's uh, Tuesday? What's I'm going to take us back to the uh, to the time of the Civil War mm-hmm. with uh, Ed Zwick's Glory. Oh, mm-hmm. good choice. Um, I think it's uh, it's a really good representation of uh, the Civil War period. I think it has a bunch of great actors in it. Uh, it's a well-made movie. There are parts that are a little sort of uh, lightweight uh, and a little TV movie-ish. Mm. However, the performances specifically of Denzel Washington uh, and Morgan Freeman are amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's an extremely moving story, and uh, it's a tearjerker at the end when you've been with all these people for the whole film, and uh, it doesn't turn out nice. So it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and uh, it's uh, uh, great James Horner score too. Amazing James Horner score that 
isn't as derivative as his other ones. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but he used it a lot later. So yeah. that's that's uh, that's a, a good mark for yeah, him. Interesting, interesting choice. Uh, Ashley? What? So I guess no one else wants to talk about Glory. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I saw Glory, uh, gosh, probably three or four times uh, when it came out. Uh, I thought it was terrific as well, and uh, the cast was great. The you know, the the costuming, the uh, the location, photography. Um, it's a very handsomely produced film, and it, it amazingly has some good facial hair appliances, other than uh, Gettysburg, which came out at almost the same time, which yes. looked like a trip to Woolworths. Wasn't Gettysburg the, the one that uh, um, Ted, Ted Turner, Turner financed yeah. because he was obsessed with the Battle Correct. of Gettysburg, Correct. and it was a total vanity project yeah. and and just not very good. Glory, on the other hand, is a really remarkable. It's amazing, movie. based on a true story. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know. At the time, a story that no, nobody really knew about, right? Um, celebrating the role of, you know, freed slaves, right. uh, p- putting on the uniform of the Union uh, to go back to to fight to free. Well, the I mean, South. The thing that separates Glory from, well, certainly from Gettysburg, and and honestly from from a lot of uh, war movies, movies that depict war, is that I think it was less interested in depicting events and making sure the audience sees all the stuff right. that's going on than it is about telling a story about um, the journey these characters are right. on together. The and their people attitudes. involved. Yes, yes, right. It's like they have these attitudes toward one another at the beginning that just that evolve. And it's like it's it's the evolution of those relationships um, and you know how they all find each other mm-hmm. um, that really makes the ending of that movie Work. We're not. We're not borrowing um, emotions to feel something right. when we watch it, and it's not kind of imposing on it. Oh well, you know, we're sad because we go on the yeah, journey with them. That's and exactly that's right. We yeah. care, and it's a. Uh, it, it's a very different kind of film in that way. And I think in a. I think in a lot of ways, Ed Zwick chased that movie. Um, mm-hmm. After that movie, I think he kind of chased what he was. What he was. What he accomplished in Glory and other films. I don't know that he ever quite got there. I'm thinking kind of specifically of like he did under fire. Yeah, yeah. And and it's interesting because you know people at that point had known Denzel uh, from you know saying Elsewhere and stuff, but this is a movie that really cemented him as one of our you know, uh, most prized actors, you know. I mean, he got nominated Best Supporting Actor for that movie, um, and he's just, uh, it's a spectacular performance. And, you know, as you said, Morgan Freeman's great in it, and Matthew Broderick, um, but really Denzel's performance is a tour de force, and it's a it's a really terrific film, and I don't think Ed Zwick has ever done a movie that's uh, of that level again. He, he's done some other interesting work, but nothing of that caliber. And, and the, the cinematography was by Freddie Francis, who mm-hmm. has done a lot of uh, wonderful work with uh, David Lynch and, mm-hmm. and other uh, filmmakers. He won the Academy Award. Let us not year. forget, you only live twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I, I forgot it. <laughs> you drift through the years. <laughs> well, so it seems. <laughs> um, okay, Glory. That was Glory for Tuesday. Uh, Ashley, Wednesday. Okay. Um, so for Wednesday. This movie um, was one of my very favorites when I was a kid. I think in in large part because it was a movie that my father loved and loves. He's still with us. Uh, and we would watch that 
together. Um, and you know, he was a he the was hunger. A, the hunger. <laughs> it was the hunger. It my was super like awkward, <laughs> but less awkward than if I had watched it with my mom. Um, no, uh, you know, he was a Vietnam vet and and all this, and it was always, you know, he didn't he didn't really watch a lot of war movies. He just didn't. Um, but uh, Kelly's Heroes mm. was one that we watched quite a bit. Right. Like whenever it was on, it was it was on. Um, it uh, like the longest day. It's an all star cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Clint Eastwood playing Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Telly Savalas, Don Rickles, yeah. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Um, it's just this amazing cast and. What's kind of special about it, and you don't really think about it this way because now it's 2018 and this was like 1965 or something like that. Um, and 1965, directed by Brian Hutton, who directed Where Eagles Dare, which is a great yes. World War II adventure yes. film. And yes. featuring John Landis as the PA. That's right. He was a really? PA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll right. be goddamn. I'm Kelly Sears, So, yeah. you know, we don't think of it as being a movie that was a contemporary take on mm-hmm. World War II, but that's really what it was. Right. Uh, Donald Sutherland in that movie. Um, playing oddball, this like whacked out, totally high, you know, beat poet. Stop uh, with the negative t- waves, man. man. I'm drinking some wine, eating some cheese, catching some rays. Um, <laughs> it's like, don't hit me with those negative waves so early in the morning. It's going to be a mother beautiful bridge. Um, and his relationship with uh, with crap game, but all of that was was very anachronistic. Yeah. But it was awesome, and it was kind of a send up right. of mm-hmm. movies like The Longest Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I mean, hey, it's, look, it's the postmodern World War II movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really the first postmodern yeah. World War II movie, and it's this great heist. You yeah. know, it's this. It's this story that you wouldn't expect. It's 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 almost cynical in that you have like this 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 group of kind of um, very kind of downtrodden, you know, beat up, you know, World War II heroes um, who realize that there is a shitload of gold to be had in this little Nazi town. Nazi gold. Nazi gold. That uh, they essentially mount their own operation uh, to go and, and retreat. Go behind enemy lines yeah. to rob this it's, bank. It's awesome. And Carol O'Connor, Carol, mm-hmm. sorry, <coughs> sorry, Carol Connor plays, plays uh, the American general um, <laughs> who, uh, who realizes what's going on thinks that these guys are basically mounting this effort to liberate this town and that they're going to succeed and then decides to go out and, and get in front of it. It's just <laughs> it's just fantastic in uh, in every way, and it's just it's joyful, it's cool, and there are actually real moments of tension, and it sends up everything. There's a great uh, scene that takes place in a minefield where they're oh, trying to yeah. get everybody mm-hmm. across and the tension feels real, and then there is a showdown with a tiger tank yes. that is just fantastic. And Hutton shoots it like it's a Sergio Leone spaghetti western because he knows who he's got, right? Um, he's got Clint Eastwood. He's got the man with no name. And so it's all just, it's even like an Ennio Morricone score, like the sort of happening, sort of aping that. Um, it's like all the extreme close-ups. But, you know, instead of like sort of going to the gun, you sort of go to the tank turret, sort of turning around. Um, and it has the most wonderful resolution like how do they win that fight with the tiger tank it's just it's amazing it's like these they do a deal maybe he's a republican like they do a deal with the nazi to turn the tiger tank or you just turn that around man and <laughs> you know <laughs> just go. um I, I i cannot say enough happy positive things about kelly's heroes if you haven't seen it 
you have to see it. Well, it's so it's much probably fun. a movie that a lot of people haven't seen, and yeah. and oh. I love that Donald Sutherland. This always tickled me, and I still get a, a smile thinking about it when he's mounted these big speakers on his. Oh tank. yeah, he's playing like I've been working on the railroad as they're assaulting this train depot. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, it scares the hell out of you. Know, I mean, like, he so was there funny. way before Apocalypse <laughs> right? Now, right? <laughs> um, and then it has like this this great. Or at least I love it anyway. Um, song by the yeah. Mike Curb Congregation, yeah. uh, Burning Bridges at the end, and it's like I was gonna, you know, why don't we do that anymore? You know, you have like the end credits where it's got like the pictures of like the characters, and uh-huh. they sort of pop up, and there's the actor. It's just and you got I kind of a goofy shit. pop song. It's, yeah, it's, really, it's a really fun movie. Well, I was gonna say in a way, it really is a precursor to another terrific movie. Um, the Iraqi War film, Three Kings, Three Kings. Yes. You know, yeah. which you can see the DNA of Kelly's heroes in Three Kings, which is a terrific uh, film by David O. Russell. That you know, I was going to say more recent, but when you think about it, it's not that recent, no. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gulf, Gulf War One set a similar similar concept: a group of uh, soldiers trying to steal uh, a bunch of uh, treasures from Saddam Hussein. <laughs> we may be as removed from. That war in time, as Kelly's Heroes was yeah. for World mm-hmm. War II. I think you're about right. That's yeah. about right. God, that's crazy when you put it in that kind of context. Yeah. Stop yeah. putting things into context, Adam. <laughs> Damn it. What are you trying to do? <laughs> Let me, allow me to decontextualize for you. <laughs> that, that, that's a great choice for Wednesday, Wednesday Kelly's Heroes. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's interesting. We've had Longest Day, Glory, Kelly's Heroes. You know, not the obvious choices uh, for War Week. Um, you know, I... My choice is a film that I think uh, uh, it's a legendary battle. It's 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 one that changed the course of history. And Star Wars. And, well, I was just saying Rogue One. <laughs> Got the plans? To, no, I, I'm not going to go there because you know again we're this is uh, we're talking the Veterans Day and 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 while it, you know uh, we sort of, but there, there's an abundance of riches, um, and it's very hard to sort of narrow it down to just one. Um, uh, my my initial pick was. Um, and is uh, um, Love and Death. It's about the Napoleonic Wars. Mm. Uh, Woody Allen plays the young Boris Grushenko. Diane Keaton is Sonia. And they, uh, to stop the, the, the war, uh, plan to assassinate Napoleon. Um, it is the last of, quote unquote, uh, Woody Allen's early funny ones. And, <laughs> um, and, and uh, just a brilliantly, beautifully shot and, and scored uh uh, a film. It was his last film before Annie Hall. But um, no, I'm not going to go with Love and Death. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get Love and Death in there. It, it really, again, I'm, I'm sort of vexed because, you know, I was, I was toying with, I can't do Winds of War, which was a vexed. soapy TV miniseries, um, uh, um, which I, I, I adored as a kid. Uh, the, the wonderful Americanization of Emily, mm. uh, which is a, a terrific film with James Garner and James Coburn. It ties into Normandy. You know, the whole plot is they want James Garner to be the last dead man on Omaha Beach because they want that to be the Navy. Um, and it's 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 a great black comedy um, directed by Herbert Ross. Um, but again, I don't think of sufficient scope. And I think of it more as a comedy. And, uh, you know, the same way, you know, MASH is also a phenomenal satire on the Korean War, really a satire of Vietnam. But, I, I, again, I think that should be Robert Altman week or Altman week. or um, <laughs> Isn't uh, every week Altman week? <laughs> <laughs> Here on the 430 movie. And uh, comedy. So it really comes down to me to two films. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jesus. Two more Make films. Up your I, mind. It, it comes down. It really comes down. To we two all films. could mention five films <laughs> if we wanted to. <laughs> but did Pick your favorite. No. Pick your well, favorite. I really part. can't decide. 
Uh, one, of course, is John Sturge's masterpiece, The Great Escape. Sure. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. With, again, with an amazing all-star uh, cast about British and American uh, POWs uh, trapped behind enemy lines who plan, and this is all based on a real story, um, uh, uh, the largest prisoner of war breakout uh, in the history uh, you know, of war. Um, Richard Attenborough, the director, uh, mm-hmm. actually, who you know is the kindly old grandfather in Jurassic Park, plays this like badass mm-hmm. MI6 guy, <laughs> and, Mr. X, and Mr. X in 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 uh, and Steve McQueen. Yes. It has that iconic motorcycle chase. Uh, uh, Elmer Bernstein's one of many great it's scores, glorious. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's probably his best. Uh, so I absolutely love. I uh, love, 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 love The Great Escape and watched it with my father many times and was never embarrassed. Um, <laughs> so uh, just a, a brilliant, brilliant movie. And I'm a huge fan of John Sturgis. Um, you know, Dirty Dozen was something else I thought about, but mm-hmm. The Great Escape just inches it out because, um, again, based on our real story and more uh, laudable uh, characters than in The Dirty Dozen. But at the end of the day, I think I have to go... And it's hard because I, I truly love The Great Escape. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I, I think I have to go with the um, the triptych of Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Now Redux, and Hearts of Darkness. Oh. <laughs> Which, that was seven movies, Mark. You just programmed a week. I'm very indecisive. Okay, so let's say uh, Apocalypse Now. You need okay. to, yeah, you need to okay, pick one go, of those. I'm going to pick Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now... Uh, you know, it, it was um, a bunch of movies that came out in the late 70s uh, dealing with America's role in Vietnam. Uh, there was uh, Coming Home, The Deer Hunter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, finally uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, masterpiece, Apocalypse Now, um, as in it was infamous. 82. What? 79. 79. Was it 79? 79, yeah. Oh, geez. 79. I lost two years in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the year Star Trek, not the year Star Trek 2, the year Star Trek motion picture. But of course, you know, it's the, the famous um, line from Francis Coppola in Hearts of Darkness we're not making a movie about war, we're living in, a in war, a war, you know. And um, uh, uh, the story of, of Apocalypse Now making the movie is almost as amazing as, as the, the film itself. It's documented in Hearts of Darkness. Also, Eleanor Coppola's book Notes, which is a terrific book about mm-hmm. the making of Apocalypse Now. Uh, it's not an oral history, like uh, my own book uh, about the history of Battlestar Galactica, another great war far beyond the stars. But um, Apocalypse it's Now, to so me, all, right? uh, is one of the most remarkable uh, uh, feats of, of non pre-CG filmmaking where everything is done practically. Uh, there's a famous story of how um, during the great helicopter attack where they're playing Wagner, um, the, the Filipino uh, army took their helicopters back to fight real rebels. Right? <laughs> like, where are the helicopters going? <laughs> and I mean, you don't have that when you're creating helicopters in the computer. Um, you know, and for whatever its flaws are, of which there are definitely flaws, uh, including the meandering finale with... Um, uh, Marlon Brando, in which you know, when Marlon Brando showed up uh, as this zoftic guy, at, 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 you know, on set, you know, Coppola just remembered him from Godfather, and he's like, you know, was, yeah. what am I going to do with this? <laughs> um, and they basically had to rewrite it. And then, of course, Marlon Brando wanted to sort of experiment and figure out what this character of Kurtz was. It's all based on the Conrad book, Hearts of Darkness. Loosely. And uh, loosely, yeah. It's inspired by, I should say. But this trip down river in which it becomes more and more um, uh, dark uh, and, you know, it's like a giant snake uncoiling. And so um, we go from sort of the fun, crazy, mash-like antics of Colonel Kilgore and I love the smell of napalm in the morning by the time we get to the severed heads and the the true heart of darkness at the end of um, uh, Martin Sheen's journey. It's, it's, it's a remarkable movie. It is the stuff 
of legend. It is what great movie making and great movie makers are all about. So I have to go with Apocalypse Now. I think that's a, that's a very reasonable thing to choose for a, a movie about war. Um, but you have to think of all the wasted time that he did making a lot of footage that he never used. And I think that's far more wasteful than wasting Marlon Brando's time on on the film. Does it, anyone see my Fruit Loops? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I don't know how many of you have seen Apocalypse Now Redux, but... Um, uh, it's an interesting. It's it's like the Close Encounters special. Edition. It's an interesting yeah. experiment. I don't think it. I don't think it's successful. No, I don't either. And I think that you don't need the French plantation yeah. sequence. And you don't need yeah. a lot of that. Uh, and I love at least that Coppola, rather than try and say this is now the version of the film. Right. You know, he didn't pull a Lucas, and I you will never see the original Apocalypse now again. Right. You know, actually, when they came out on on Blu-ray, it was. Um, the three versions. It yep. was uh, Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Now Redux, and Hearts of Darkness, which is how, you know, you want every iteration. It's like the, the Blade Runner collection. Um, and uh, uh, so so it, it is interesting, and if you haven't seen Redux, it's worth watching once, but really I think Apocalypse Now in its original theatrical form, which is, it was really interesting because it didn't have credits, and they gave out right. uh, the credits on a, um, you know, little cardboard, uh, uh, give, you know, giveaway at theaters. Um, uh, at the time, and uh, just a, just a great uh, uh, movie, great movie features one of my favorite set pieces of all time in a war film. That helicopter assault sequence awesome. is absolutely stunning. the The sheer number of helicopters that he had up there. Um, some of those shots are just just incredible. The pyrotechnics, the special effects they had going off on the ground. And unfortunately, the impact of it has been lessened over the years because so many people have ripped it off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and have parried it as well. And, and it, so it, it has become less in our minds than what it was originally. And when it was originally out, it was mind-blowing. And, and let me tell you, if you've never seen this film on a big screen and you mm-hmm. get the opportunity, that is by far. I mean, any of these movies we talk about are best experience on a big screen, but this film in particular. Except Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> the smaller, the better. Yeah. In that that's that's going to be better on your uh, But that helicopter right assault path. or any of these, I mean, Walter Murch's sound design mm-hmm. is, you know, is amazing in a, you know, six track Dolby. I saw Apocalypse Now in Telluride yeah. in Elks Park in the rain. Oh. Which is the way to watch Apocalypse Now, <laughs> you know, just pouring, and you know you're on this blanket, and it's like it's just you, you know you're you're on a, a rain parka, and it's cold, and it's damp, and it's wet, and it's like you know fantastic. It's like the the ultimate way to watch Apocalypse Now. Well, I don't know. I saw Apocalypse Now and tell you right a few years later <laughs> in seventy millimeter with Francis Coppola and John Milius. Okay, you got me beat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but you know, we also awesome. saw it at the Egyptian with John Milius. Yes. Which was wonderful. Uh, was a wonderful screening. He had great stories. Apocalypse Now taught me three things. One, Charlie, don't surf. <laughs> <laughs> Two, napalm smells like victory. <laughs> and three, uh, no, uh, no. I actually, I, I always have an ending. You should always have an ending before, you start, before, before you start shooting. Actually, I will say, I my favorite part of that movie is actually the completely bananas, insane, meandering uh, third act 
mm-hmm. with uh, with Brando. There is just something about it that turns that f- film into a horror movie mm-hmm. that I just I know obviously it doesn't. Well, it's just uh, horror 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 horror. But it's like but it r- really does play that way. He feels yeah. like a monster. Um, in the best possible way. It's like, I, I think... Um, he uses his girth to his advantage. Yes. You're just an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect, to collect the, the bill. bill. Exactly. Um, it's just, and Brando is weird, but kind of, you can't not watch him, even when he's like Magnetic. saying whatever yeah. goes through his head. Swallow the bug. Because he swallowed a bug as he was saying his lines. Although that is that is slightly less bananas than apparently what happened to him on uh, the island of Doctor Moreau, <laughs> yes. where he was like he had um, like you know earphones like hooked up and so he could get his lines read to him and then say them. But they had it on the same frequency as the nearby air tower. Yes, yes. So, ah, so, so like he would start to sort of say things from the. Yeah. What's not well known is how often you know act, big A-list actors now want that. Either instead of cue cards, what they get is they get the lines fed into them via an earpiece and don't even bother to memorize their lines. You yeah. know. Well, if I if I can for a second sort of divert this back to Star Wars again. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't realize that originally Apocalypse Now was going to be directed by George Lucas. Right. Yeah. Whoa. He yes. he wrote the first script of it. Or uh, They were going to make it in Vietnam in, Vietnam. in the late 60s. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And uh he this is this is the project that got him interested in the less technologically advanced society defeating the Higher technologically advanced society. Right. So this is what gave us. This the is what gave Ewoks. us the Ewoks. Yeah. Oh my god! But he was uh, entrenched in Can this I project my for, vote? <laughs> <laughs> for for a long time, and up until the you know a year before shooting, he was still going to do it. So that's an interesting story. Wow. Celebrate the love. And of, and of course, Harrison Ford uh, has a small cameo playing Colonel Lucas. Yes. Yes. Uh, in the film. Uh, In the interest of time, I suggest we pass both ways. (laughs) (laughs) Never get out of the boat. Find Colonel Kurtz and assassinate him with extreme Extreme prejudice. prejudice. It's very quotable. Uh, It's gorgeous. Uh, Vittorio Storaro, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, the cinematographer. It's stunning. Uh, sound design, of course, we mentioned before, groundbreaking. It's filmmaking. Yeah, you know, pure large, cinema. It's not iPhone. Yeah. It's not doesn't belong on an iPhone. You shouldn't even be able to buy it on iPhone. <laughs> you should only be able to see it in a theater. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a remarkable film. I mean, it debuted in New York at the Ziegfeld, which is the kind of theater that you know it belongs in, which of course doesn't exist anymore. So you know, it's 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 sad. I mean, it it, it ushered in, you know, and and in again, United Artists thought this is a film that could break them. It broke, you know, it was going to break Coppola, uh, and and it ended and it ended up not. You know, it was not until Heaven's Gate a year later, which is uh, which broke United Artists because Apocalypse Now actually did well, and then you know, Coppola uh, survived Apocalypse Now only to be destroyed by uh, Once from the Heart. You know. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's stunning. Though. It's amazing the film was ever finished. It was in production for how long? Like two years or something. Uh, Martin Sheen had a heart oh, yeah. attack yeah. during wasn't, production. Wasn't he completely recast at some? Or, or no, it's Harvey Keitel. Oh, okay. Harvey and, Keitel. and they shot yeah. for weeks before they fired Harvey Keitel and replaced him with Martin Sheen. Jesus. I mean, again, was it because I he kept can't... showing people his penis. <laughs> not that I'm aware. <laughs> oh. But I, 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 I'm, yeah, it's not eyes wide shut. But right. I, I, um, 
I can't recommend enough the Hearts of Darkness documentary, yes. which is yes. just a remarkable documentary about the uh, making of Apocalypse Now. Um, it's just it's crazy, and it also inspired Tropic Thunder to right. a large <laughs> to call it back to, uh, Film to Films about Filmmaking Week. So that brings us to Friday, doesn't it? Friday, yeah, Friday, Friday. Friday. Day, Friday. It's a wide Friday. open range. We it got sure a lot, is. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that we may have to revisit uh, War Week uh, later on. World Week Two. I think. Yeah. I think. I think we have Memorial Day coming up. Uh, you know, that's a good time. But you know, to <laughs> revisit it, December seventh, of course, is the yeah. anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So there, there's a lot of time to revisit uh, uh, these films. Um, I want to throw one out that. Um, I love watching over and over and over again. I want you to remember yeah. that no bastard ever <laughs> won a war yeah. by dying for his country. Yeah, that that was my pick for when Friday. When you put well. your hand in a pile of goo, <laughs> I was going to suggest that one too. We're yeah. talking, of course, about Patton, Patton. Yeah. Uh, 1970, also of written picture. by francis ford coppola well, and directed by the great underrated director franklin schaffner yes mm -hmm. who uh you may recall from uh, planet of the apes yes those of you who remember planet of the apes that was a little film a little film from the 60s okay. with charlton heston but uh it's it's a glorious uh depiction of not only world war ii but of this amazing character that uh, george c scott creates um from george s Patton, who was a uh a crazy general. <laughs> he was than at, life larger than figure. life, even in reality. Um, uh, I, you know, my uh, my pistols are not uh, pearl handled; they're ivory handled. <laughs> you know, it's it's just uh, it's just amazing, and he is spot on amazing during the entire film. I read your book, Rommel. <laughs> you magnificent bastard. bastard! I read your book. <laughs> uh, it's it, I find that the most eminently quotable movie ever. Yeah. There's just so much, and I, I should have kissed the damn bastard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's just so good, and the musical score by Jerry Goldsmith mm. is uh, iconic, and uh, it's just uh, you know technically it's the the scope of it is amazing. I mean, you're you're going from North Africa mm -hmm. to Sicily to Italy, and then ultimately into Western Europe. Yeah, to the for the Battle of the Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. It's yeah. And it's even better when you compare it to MacArthur starring Gregory Beck, right? Which is terrible. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, or but watching Inchon. this character's journey, you know, from you know itching to get his first command and get yeah. out into the field and take on Rommel and get into the fight and you know his early successes, his rivalry with uh, General Montgomery right. from the British forces. Well, what about the audacious way in which the movie begins, standing in front of the American flag, yeah. talking, yeah. breaking Addressing the fourth the wall? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's. It's such a, a magnificent movie, and um, it was definitely going to be my choice for Friday as well. Um, you know, I had a couple of other uh, honor honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, uh, Dunkirk, uh, which I think oh, should yeah. have won the Oscar for Best Picture last year. Christopher Nolan's uh, 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 brilliant film, uh, which was beaten by Shape of Water. Um, not to take anything away from Guillermo, but Dunkirk, again, is pure cinema. Uh, the Hurt Locker, Catherine Bigelow's film. Yeah. A Good Morning Vietnam which uh, to me is probably the height of not only Barry Levinson's career, but also uh, Ron Williams, uh, Dirty Dozen we talked about, Bridge Over the River Kwai, to bring it back to Star Wars again, Alec right. Guinness. Yeah, Pass Bridge Over the River Kwai, oh. I, I, you know, I only have, I have a limited wall space, I think I've mentioned before mm -hmm. in my house, but Bridge Over the River Kwai is one of those move film posters that's on my wall. Yeah. It's, it's terrific. Well, uh, I'd like to throw one out for the yeah, kids. Yeah, please. 
Um, for the kids. For the kids. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards is, in so many ways, a historical. I think is is kind of the the way to put it, um, in the sense that like, you know, uh, it didn't happen. Um, but it is. Such... Mean Eli Roth did not kill Hitler. He did not kill <laughs> I didn't Hitler. Get that apparently, <laughs> but um, that movie is just so fascinating. It is so well made. Um, it's just it's Tarantino at. His, I don't think that is most insane because that's a very high bar. <laughs> uh, but at his uh, really super duper insane, and just these great scenes. You think about that movie as as really just a just a collection of these of these sequences that that fall into rough chronological order. Um, whether it's Christoph Waltz like walking into the French farmhouse, like talking about you know squirrels and whatever the <laughs> hell it is that he's talking about for like twenty pages. But you're riveted while the family is hiding underneath. You know, it, it, it's audacious filmmaking. <gasps> that first ten minutes of that movie, regardless of what you think of the film, and I have problems with the film. The first ten is among the great scenes, it, and it's funny. It's like True Romance. True Romance is not a great movie, but and you know Tony Scott's film written by Quentin. But there are some of the greatest scenes ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the scene movies. in the uh, the underground bar. Right? Yes, absolutely riveting. Because he's just he he. He understands tension exactly and how to make it work. You just because the things that it's he unbearable. lets you know, oh, totally. <laughs> or things as funny as the meeting with Churchill, mm-hmm. where yeah. you realize it's this three dudes in a room that's just that's enormous, <laughs> and the way that he shoots it, it's like they're calling to each other from different corners yeah. of the room. It's or the way he scores it. Yeah. When yeah. Melanie Laurent is going to light the theater on fire, and he's scoring it with David Bowie's putting it, you know, putting out fire with gasoline. I mean, it's just it's pure Quentin. It totally is. And I think the reason I, I mean, I would put it up for Friday is because, um, you know, it's probably the most, maybe it isn't, but it's, except for Dunkirk, which obviously happened very, very recently. But it's, it is the most contemporary in the sense of um, a contemporary sensibility, sort of the irony of it. It's kind of the Kelly's heroes. <laughs> Uh, of like this generation, it's Quentin Tarantino's Kelly's. It's Harris. like an alternate reality, hyper alternate reality. I, I find I really like this movie too. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite Tarantino films yep. to rewatch. I find it really rewatchable. Right. So we're in the Nazi killing business, and business is booming. Margarete. I think it'd be great for Tarantino week. I don't think you can end a Veterans Day week or a. Um, a movie, a, a war, a movie about war films in which it trivializes um, a war by ending the movie with Hitler being killed by um, Eli Roth. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, there's a, I, again, I, I, I love, I, I love Inglorious Pastors. I mean, like I said, it's some brilliant scenes, but I don't feel, I think it's a sort of disrespectful choice for Friday. I feel like Patton is, you know, a true classic and a masterpiece. You know, sort of ending with sort of a snarky meta take on war. Um, it, it, it doesn't feel right to me, you know. I, I but well, well, let me throw out one more. Then I love Patton, and I was going to suggest it myself. But uh, this Veterans Day actually marks the 100th year since the end of World War One. Mm-hmm. So I think we should talk about Wonder Woman. Yes, oh, Wonder Woman. No. Paths <laughs> of Glory. Oh, I, yeah, I, 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 I think you can uh, say uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, but okay. Yeah, Paths of Glory. That's uh, a terrific but film Paths as well. Of but Paths of Glory, uh, Kirk Douglas uh, as a, uh, a soldier uh, tasked with mm. defending uh, 
three soldiers selected at random to face right. punishment for uh, refusing to obey a ridiculous order to attack, to go over the top and, and a fruitless charge across no man's land. Um, it's one of Kubrick's earlier films. Mm-hmm. I want to say maybe his third. Well, it's the reason that Kirk Douglas agreed to do Spartacus, and it wanted Star- Kubrick specifically to do Spartacus because they had a really good experience on Path Path of Glory. And he delivers just an outstanding performance. All the acting is terrific in that movie. And speaking of suspense, it's an incredibly suspenseful movie because you know that these poor guys are getting railroaded. Right. There's no way they're getting out from under this. And they're facing the you know, the death penalty for, you know, desertion or, or you know, failure to obey orders. Right. And Kirk Douglas mounts a robust defense of them in the face of this horrible injustice and it's it's really speaks to you know the the insanity and cruelty of of war and there again the cinematography and the uh, and the direction is Immaculate. amazing mm-hmm. beautiful uh, each, black each and white frame is beautiful you know i kind of wonder why um it, it's harder to come up with a list of world war 1 movies i mean maybe it's it's because so many filmmakers were world war 2 veterans mm-hmm. and they came out and they were just making movies about yes. their experiences and but also, it's not a cinematic war because it's trench warfare, and so it's much more. Insul- you know, you have people sitting in trenches, and it's 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 Au not as cinematic. It's you know as World War Two, which had this vast canvas and all these theaters of war that were so. Compelling. Well, there were very, very varied yeah. theaters the, of war in World War One. When as the well. Americans hit, like it was the bara- like Pershing's plan was basically, um, it was it was you know 1918 style. Uh, uh, shock and awe. It was mm-hmm. we unloaded more artillery mm-hmm. in the first day of that war than had been unloaded in the entirety by both sides of the American Civil War. Just boom, and then the Muse are gone, right? Which is basically like you know, this canopy of trees, and it's dark, and it's just there's smoke and fog everywhere. And not only that, the gas would seep down into the earth, and so people would run across this shit. And they would step on these little pockets of earth that would collapse underneath their feet. And poof, pockets of gas. I mean, you have to sort of sit back and think about, like, what that looked like. I know that our, um, you know, our conception of the, the World War I experience was that. But by the time the Americans came to the war, Pershing's entire plan was we got to get the hell out of the trenches. We have to push. Mm-hmm. We have to go. I mean, it was those months um, were just were brutal, and they were intended to make the Germans believe that they could not win, um, and that the Americans were completely batshit nuts. Actually, I wish you'd get excited about something on this I know, podcast. Me too. Yeah, but, and, yeah. but also but, this that, that war, you know, this is just talking about history, marked a real turning point. This was the beginning of the industrialization of war, the right. modern war as we think of and it, using the introduction of and, yeah. chemical warfare. Tanks, machine guns, landmines, mm-hmm. airplanes. I mean, the air war alone started with we're only 10 years removed from the Wright brothers. Right. And then by the end of that war, we're dogfighting at 10,000 feet. We're doing right. aerial reconnaissance behind enemy lines. You're having Zeppelins dropping bombs on London. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a really quite a wide range. There were, there were theaters of war in Africa. 
We saw that in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, which we didn't talk about. Right? They're, they're, which, they were in Italy. Right, right. I mean, it was a pretty expa- more expansive war. It wasn't all just France. It's the episode one of World Wars. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. The original. But, yeah. Know, the other thing is also it's not as well documented because, you know, you used to watch. Remember the History Channel used to joke it was the World War II channel? Yeah. Right. Sure. Because that's all they had. They had the newsreel footage and they had, you know, it's it, World War II was the most documented War for a certain period of time, right. whereas with World War One, you're really at the beginning of that, so it's 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 but it's I not it's as immediate to people. I think it's one of the first wars that had motion picture film shot yes, during it, it is. which is pretty it incredible. Is, but it's yeah. not as um, prolific as like with World War Two. Like everything is. And, like, and by the know. way, I, I believe this movie is coming out soon. Peter Jackson is making a documentary about World War One, where he took archival footage and cleaned it up using algorithms to make wow. it look like HD. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks incredible. This. Wow. You know, speaking of great documentaries, the the Netflix documentary about World War II, about Capra and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five came back. Five came five back, came, yeah. you know. That's great. Uh, now, I guess that premiered on Netflix, so we have the eternal challenge of not being able to recommend that because it's, uh, <laughs> a t- I guess it's for TV, but it premiered on the festival circuit, I believe, yeah. and... Um, that's uh, Spielberg produced it. That would have been good for Spielberg week. Mm-hmm. Um, so would War Horse. Yeah, War Horse, true. another World War <laughs> yeah. One film, yeah, which I kind of like, honestly. God help me. I wish I could say that, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't say that I love it, but I like it. Okay, so the question is Friday. You know, um, uh, Ashley has uh, suggested Inglorious Bastards. You put up Patton. We've had some other suggestions as well. Um, where yeah, are we going to land on this? I, I Patton. Pass the glory. I think it's got. I, I don't know. Well. I love Patton. I, I, I'm Look, with Darren. Uh, I find it incredibly rewatch. Like Inglorious Bastards, I watch Patton probably twice a year. Right. Plus, I don't do any voices from Pats of Glory. <laughs> you don't do <laughs> Kirk Douglas? Um, I have to say, for me, it's Patton also. I mean, Patton yeah. is sort of one of the definitive films about war, about a warrior, about a veteran, mm-hmm. you know, about the great George Patton. He's such but, a fascinating character. This whole notion that he thinks that he is reincarnated, that he's been at all these battles right. throughout history. And that theme of Goldsmith, the reincarnation the, the echoing theme. echoing trumpet, yeah. yeah, you know, the echoes of his life. And, and the fact that thinking about if he had been allowed to go forward would we have had the Cold War? If they just right. given him the gas. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know? Um, no, what an interesting guy. I mean, we could have a whole other podcast just about It's Patton, it's Patton Week. The scene right. when, he gets, when he's like, when there's that traffic jam at the crossroads, yeah. and Patton just gets down in the mud and, and starts you know, directing, gets, traffic, starts directing yeah. traffic. It's great. You, over there, move, move, move. Well, Ashley, this is a democracy, not a dictatorship. Uh, you know have what? they made their argument? They, they have made their argument. I I love that movie, and, and I love And who's a bigger and glorious bastard than Patton? Nobody is a bigger You know what? You're right. The biggest and glorious bastard of all. <laughs> okay, so Monday, the longest day. Tuesday, Glory. Wednesday, Kelly's Heroes. Thursday, Love and Death, The Great Escape. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, Apocalypse Now. And ending War Week on the 430 movie, Patton. Well, I got to tell you, this is uh, uh, quite uh, quite an interesting week, and uh, anyone who decides to seek out these movies and you know at home uh, won't be disappointed because they're all really uh, masterpieces in their own way, and and uh, um, it's a great way to to honor, not celebrate, but honor Veterans Day and and the the, the veterans who uh, were out there um, looking out for their fellow Americans and 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 ultimately the world. Um, because we are all connected. So uh, I want to point out that uh, you can check out um, 
uh, Lore on Amazon Now, uh, which Ashley was a writer and producer on, and um, Resistance. Steve uh, uh, Melching uh, wrote several episodes of Star Wars Resistance, uh, which recently debuted on Disney. And, of course, we have all new 430 Movie swag available at uh, 430movie.com. You can follow us on social media at 430 Movie Podcast. And you never mentioned my name during that. Yeah, man. What? You Who just skip over my name. I you introduced you at the beginning of the show. I know, but you say, Ashley's doing this, Steve's doing that. <laughs> okay, I'm not really doing anything right now, but that's okay. Darren, I'm working on I'm working Darren making T-shirts. I'm making T-shirts. Amazed. I'm doing the work, man. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Dockerman has more, been more prolific than any elf in Santa's workshop. Every day, there's new, there's designs, new designs dropping, which are yeah. phenomenal. Every day. I think I got my favorite one. A new one comes Every up. Every damn day. And it is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal, and we're deeply indebted to Darren's skill and technique. Okay. For Thanks creating for these fantastic that's, that's uh, new enough. T-shirts, um, we, we encourage you. If you enjoyed this podcast, to please go on Apple Podcasts and rate us uh, five stars would be appreciated. Anything less, uh, don't bother. You got more <laughs> important things to do. And uh, also, uh, you can follow us directly on social media: um, Ashmaster Zero, Ashley, Stephen Melching at Steve Melching at uh, Darren Doc, um, Darren Doctorman, myself, Mark A. Altman at uh, Twitter and Instagram. We'd also like to especially thank uh, Electric Studios uh, for once again um, being great hosts and especially Bill Ritter behind the board who makes us sound good, which is quite a talent. Um, if you should hear us live. <laughs> so um, this was War Week. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of the 430 movie. Thank you. Eddie's. Thank you.